my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Hello, welcome to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast from Beach Commute. This is Marissa here, and I'm joined today by one of my amazing friends, Amanda. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, glad to be here. (laughs) So excited to chat. So Amanda and I met in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I think it was over a year ago, maybe last October, Amanda. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. I know, I was like trying to remember the exact date, but over a year since when we've traveled together and we've been in Mexico and Costa Rica and Guatemala, we're trying to figure out plans to meet back up again soon, maybe in Africa, coming up in 2022. But regardless, Amanda has an epic digital nomad journey and so many amazing lessons. And she and I have done coaching. Amanda's been my client and um, just some really fun, deep conversations. So I'm really excited to walk you guys through her journey today. So I want to jump right in, Amanda, and I'll let you introduce yourself and just let us know, like, what was your life like before you started nomading? Well, thank you for that lovely introduction. Let's see, my life before nomading, I was living in Denver, Colorado. Colorado is not where I grew up, but it is where I called home for the better part of a decade uh, before leaving the States entirely and starting to live nomadically abroad. Yeah, I was working for a digital media ad agency and um, in a long-term relationship with someone uh, that I was living with. Um, Although I will say that relationship ended quite a few months before I started nomading and I had really wanted to start traveling before that relationship ended. And that was kind of a little bit part of what was holding me back. Yeah. So let's talk. It's funny. You and I were just chatting earlier today, texting as as we often do, different stories and things. And this part came up and it was a part of your journey. Weirdly, I, I like didn't even know that led you to nomad life. So if you could talk about, because I think you got a really interesting one of what kind of like pushed you to to take that journey. Um, but what it was like with, uh, you know, as things were ending with your partner, why you weren't traveling before, and then with your job that actually led you to this travel life? Um, sure. So yeah, I guess to kind of start at the beginning with the partnership that I was in, I, for about six years straight, you know, was constantly coming up with these like grandiose plans of travel (laughs) I would like you know one day just like show up like coming home from work like let's quit our jobs and go teach English in Thailand for a year (laughs) and I was just like constantly getting really really excited about these ideas that I was coming up with and unfortunately my partner just was not interested in that type of (laughs) lifestyle or really travel at all We did a little bit of travel. I did convince him to go abroad for his first time as, you know, a 20 something adult. But, you know, he just that that wasn't what excited him. Yeah. And so um, our decision to end the relationship came for a lot of a lot of other reasons. But (laughs) one of the things that it gave me was this like renewed freedom and independence to sort of chase those passions that I had kind of been held back from um, or holding myself back from 
you know, in order to please my partner. So that was really, really important to me. But I had actually started to plan my nomadic life. Like I wasn't letting him hold me back anymore. I had started to plan my nomadic life right around the same time that um, we decided to end our relationship. Right. But I hadn't quite ended the relationship. And I was just like, <laughs> listen up, like, I am leaving for a, a number of months. And like, you can come or you cannot, but like, this is happening. So that definitely didn't have really anything to do with why we decided to right. call it quits. But it was just, you know, it was something that probably would have would have gone a bit differently had had we not put the brakes on the relationship. And I had started to travel, you know, with that tether to back home. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think there's so many couples who, you know, one person wants to travel, one doesn't, or maybe one discovers it later in life. So it wasn't an issue from the beginning. And I think it's great that re- you're like, regardless, while we're in this relationship, I'm still going to travel. And we definitely still... You know, there's friends and other uh, Wi-Fi tribe members I know who might just go for like a month at a time without their partner and go back or two months and go back. And and that's an option. But I'm curious for you, um, did you, where do you think your, this inspiration for travel came from? Like, did you travel with your family before? Did you just like, where did that just instinct of like, must go travel? Where did that come from for you? You know, I like to think that I was born with it. <laughs> I think some people uh, are. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the truth is my my family, we weren't traveling abroad a ton. Mm-hmm. That just like wasn't within our means. But my parents, especially my mom, I think did value experience over material, you know, yeah. things in life. And so even though our travel growing up was more like road trips around the Midwest and stuff, you know, I was still getting a taste of um, just that idea of like leaving leaving your bubble. Yeah. And my first trip abroad was with my mom. I actually joined her and we went on a trip to Haiti. So my mm. first time ever leaving the United States was going to a destination that many people have never thought of yeah. uh, visiting. But we went on a trip with a program called Haiti Outreach, where we um, helped build a school and were teaching English cool. to some of the like local kids and stuff. So that was just like a really cool experience. And that was really right. my first taste of just right. like something so outside of my norm and, you know, me realizing that I wanted to chase that. Yeah. Well, the teaching English in Thailand now makes sense (laughs) because I know especially (laughs) back, you and I are the same age in our early thirties. And when I think back, that kind of used to be one of the only ways people really knew how to go travel and make an income before, you know, what we know now as digital nomad life really existed. But when you were in that relationship, you said you were going to go. So did you already have a job that you could do remotely while you were traveling? Was that your plan when you kind of thought about that initial entryway? So that's like a whole story in and of itself. Um, I'll try to keep it brief. (laughs) So I was working for a digital ad agency um, in the States, but my job was actually a remote job. So the whole company I worked for worked remotely. We all worked from home. And within that time period, I worked there for about three years. I was doing so much travel around the US. I mean, part of it was just living in a different state from my family and having friends in different states. And I was constantly picking up my laptop and, you know, going to visit or going to see a, you know, a new, a new state that I hadn't visited before. Right. And just bringing my work along with me. And 
You're um, so ahead of your it, time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, it was funny too, because like of this company, I mean, at the end, it was what, maybe 400 employees or so. Everyone was always asking me, like, how do you do it? How do you travel so much? I'm like, we have the same job. <laughs> you have the exact same ability as I do. Um, I just, you know, I just made it happen. Like I, yeah. I, I chose, I chose to, to pursue that. And, you know, I think having different like home situations where you have families to take care of and stuff obviously can limit that. So I was lucky that I, I could just kind of make my decisions based solely on me at that time in my life. But I also love that you made it happen for yourself, right? I think you and I are very much under the same thing, like through all the coaching that we've done. It's like, we're in control of our own lives. And when, when other people are asking like, how is this person doing it? You're like, like, figure out how can you do it if that's what you want, like make it happen. So I love that you did that. Yeah, thank you. Um, So that kind of leads us into I, I had found out about a remote travel program, very similar to Wi Fi tribe, Uh um, the program that you and I are both a part of, or the community, I should say, it's not so much program, it's more of a community. Yeah. And this, this, so this one was different than Wi Fi tribe. And a friend of mine told me about it. And she actually worked for the same company as me. So she was in that same remote position. And she and the the program was a four month at a time program. So I she went on it and I got very excited and I was like, <laughs> sign me up for the next round. Cause they right. were doing these kind of four month sessions. Yeah. So what happened? So I was initially planning to do it in South America so that mm-hmm. I could stay on the same time zone and right. keep my job. Um, meanwhile, some things happened at the company I was with. They had a big, um, a big client pull out of, um, working with us, which was really unfortunate. And we lost a lot of revenue from that. And therefore they had to lay off like a very large amount of their workforce. And I, my name was put in that layoff pool, which was like a pretty devastating blow at that time. (laughs) And there were a lot of, you know, office politics behind it as well. That, that was kind of a a bummer. Um, But for a number of months, I was under the impression that I was going to be losing my job at the end of the year. So this was back in 2017. And it was like, by December, at the end of the year, December 2017, like you will be laid off. And at that point, I had, you know, already planned, like wanting to do this travel. And I was like, you know what, this is the time I'm going to (laughs) get laid off. I'm not going to have a job. I'm just going to go on this program. It's going to be great. Yeah. So I, I had like, fully committed to this program. I had paid the deposit and I had booked my flight. And I sent the the founder of this company an email saying like, here's my flight details. And I get an email back and he's just like, hey, is there a 24 hour cancellation policy on your flight? Can you cancel that flight? You'll get more information in the morning. And oh I was kind of like, oh, what? <laughs> like, excuse me. Um, this is kind of terrifying. This is like the first, you know, big international flight to a destination that I had never <laughs> dreamed of traveling alone. Uh, it was Chile. It was Santiago, Chile. And I was like, uh, okay. So I'm like quick canceling that flight. And I'm like, what's going on? And I received an email the next day that said, you know, we're sorry, but we're basically closing the doors to our business. Like we're not going to run. We're not going to do the travel thing anymore. This is no longer a program you can be a part of. 
luckily for me, they were fully willing to refund Amazing. the deposit that I had paid. And they put me in touch with the Wi-Fi tribe and they said, you know what, we have this other, we, there, there's this other program out there called the Wi-Fi tribe and they operate similar to us. And we've talked to their founders. And if you want to join the Wi-Fi tribe, you can, you can join, you know, right away um, without having to go through the whole application process because right. we, we already did that with you. Right. And so that was sort of the catalyst to me finding Wi-Fi tribe, which is, still so crazy because I think of it now and I'm thinking that program was a four month program and I was just going to go for four months right. and then like go home and like continue on with mm -hmm. my life in Colorado. Yeah. And had I not found Wi-Fi tribe that may have been, you know, that may have been my life. That may have <laughs> I get all the goosebumps hearing that. I'd heard that story before <laughs> and I kind of forgot because I'm just like so used to you with Wi-Fi tribe, but I'm so grateful that happened because we actually didn't even meet on a chapter, but we were both like during COVID times kind of ended up in Mexico and there was like 50 Wi-Fi tribe people. And I think we'd yeah. actually met on Zoom once for like a Wi-Fi tribe book club kind of chat. Was, yeah. <laughs> It was definitely the community that brought us together, even yeah. though we were not actually Officially. on the program when we so met. I'm so, so grateful for that. <laughs> so tell us Same. again what happened. I know. Yay for, yay for Wi-Fi Tribe. Yay for meeting amazing people in our lives through this. And I'm so glad I initially, when I was first going to travel uh, with my ex and I, were going to travel at the time. And our plan was to like quit our jobs, go for six months. Like not, I didn't even know digital nomading was a thing. I just knew I wanted to travel. And um, we ended up like breaking up and, and not doing that. But I'm also so grateful because I then learned about how to do it in like a sustainable forever way if I want to. So I have a similar story right. there. But continue on because you were telling me some interesting things about your job. So you have like the potential layoffs coming. You then like book this travel company that doesn't happen. You find Wi-Fi tribe. <laughs> Keep going with the story. All these it's such things. a fascinating yeah, one. It was, I love it really, it really is. It yeah, really is like all it's not these a straight easy pieces. journey for you. <laughs> and I love you too. Like for anyone listening, you know, things like this come up and I'm always like, don't let it stop you because there's always a zillion obstacles and always a zillion scary reasons of why, you know, things aren't working out or it's harder than you thought, but it's it's so worth it in the end, which we'll get to, but keep going on with your story. Yeah. So I so I sign up with Wi-Fi Tribe, but the caveat there is that Wi-Fi Tribe at the exact time that I was hoping to start traveling, which was going to be in the start of the new year, 2018, did not have any destinations in South America at that time. So their destinations were actually in Africa and Europe. And since I was under the impression I was going to be getting laid off from my job, I was like, <laughs> you know what? I no longer need to worry about time zones. Yeah. Sign me up. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I am so excited. <laughs> and, you know, like my, my initial plan was really I signed up for three Wi-Fi tribe chapters okay. in a row, which meant three months in a row. But there's a week in between each mm -hmm. four week chapter. So it was it was more or less about five months of travel um, that was culminating in a big trip with my family where my family was coming to Europe to meet me. And then I was visiting a good friend of mine who lived in Turkey and I'd never been to Turkey. And I was like, so excited to go visit her there. So I was going to go for five months and then like go back and go to Denver and, you know, find <laughs> a new job and hope that I could like 
you know, replenish some of my savings because I yeah. was just going to live off savings the whole time. Meanwhile, things at work were going well. And um, some, again, office politics here, some like political changes happened <laughs> in the work environment. And I was told that I was no longer being laid off and that they actually really <laughs> wanted me to stay on in the Surprise. position I was in. <laughs> and at that time, I had already committed to Wi-Fi Tribe. And so I just kind of told them, you know, like, I so appreciate it. What happened was I actually did not leave and go travel with Wi-Fi Tribe until about mid-March because mm. just of the timing of Wi-Fi Tribe's chapter. Right. So they allowed me to stay on my role through February, which was, you know, two extra months of working that I was not counting on before. Right. And then they gave me the option to still get laid off, which is actually like huge shout out to my old company, just amazing and a huge reason that I was able to afford traveling with no job because right. of the severance package that I was going to get. So Amazing. it kind of worked out <laughs> in my favor in the end. And yeah, that that was how I wound up traveling with Wi-Fi Tribe. I love it. So tell us about what those first destinations you chose, what your experience was like in Wi-Fi Tribe, and then the continued journey of your, your job saga, because it turned out spoiler it really well but let's <laughs> let's go through that yeah so okay there's so many things to unpack here but the very first destination I um I picked to travel to was Morocco okay in Africa and I was so excited about this idea of going somewhere just so foreign yeah. And like, so kind of like world. off the typical path. Yeah. And yeah, so what I did was I actually convinced a friend of mine um, to meet me in Morocco before I was meant to meet the Wi-Fi tribe, because I wasn't really sure how the chapter life was going to work. And the Wi-Fi tribe chapter was in this um, coastal destination called Tagazut, Morocco. And I really wanted to see like Marrakesh and the big city. And I wanted to go to the Sahara Desert. And there were, I just had this huge Morocco bucket list. And I wasn't, at the time, being a newbie to Wi-Fi Tribe, wasn't sure how it was going to work on the chapter mm -hmm. and if I was going to have that opportunity to do all this travel. So I convinced a friend of mine who was not a nomad, but had <laughs> had the flexibility in her schedule to meet me in Morocco. And we planned like a 10 day adventure around the country where we were doing all the bucket list things. And I was, you know, at that time, hadn't quite figured out the travel budget. So I was like, really just excited about how full my bank account was. And I was not too concerned. And I, we, so we just did all the adventures. And um, if I could pick like the most memorable or like notable moment mm -hmm. as just like this yeah. transition into this new life for me was getting on the flight to Morocco. I had flown, I had flown a ton before. So flying alone was not a new experience for me, but arriving in a brand mm -hmm. new country where I had never been, I didn't speak the language and getting myself from an airport <laughs> to like a Riyadh in Marrakesh, Morocco, all alone because my friend was flying in like the next day was such 
a new experience for me. And you really jumped I in remember, like at first. <laughs> I know. I remember being in the cab ride and I was like, okay, I'm 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 safe. Like I booked with with the Riyadh, the hotel that we were staying at in Marrakesh. Yeah. I had booked the airport transfer. And the cab driver spoke enough English to get by. And I was just like, this is so cool. I'm doing this. <laughs> and I had my like giant, like absolute body bag of a suitcase with me. <laughs> and at one point he just pulls over and I have no idea where I am. I have no service because I haven't figured out international phone plans yeah. and all that yet. And he just pulls over and he's like, okay, this is where you get out. And I'm like, this doesn't look like a hotel. This is like a street. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. So I get out of the cab and this little old man with like a couple missing teeth and a little wagon oh. is standing there and he takes my suitcase. And I was just like, uh, okay. And the cab driver was like, this is where you go. Bye. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this man has just loaded my suitcase, which is bigger than him into a wagon. And he just starts to lead me through these like tunneled alleyways <laughs> through oh the Medina God. of Marrakesh. Were you like and terrified, like, confused? Like, what were you feeling in this moment? <laughs> like, at that moment, all I could think about was like, if I get abducted right now, my mom <laughs> is going to kill me. <laughs> I was like, she will feeling. not hear about this until I am <laughs> safely <laughs> in my hotel. <laughs> but like, I wasn't. Scared. I was yeah. just acutely aware that like this was not a situation that I had ever been in before. Yeah. And like there were so many unknowns to yeah. me. Yeah. And power to you. It's it's so brave. I always tell people when they first get started, I do think guys just have an easier time, right? Just because it, it feels safer traveling as a male for many reasons. But um it's so good, like you said, to you know, book that hotel transfer ahead of time or like um, have some of those things planned out, but you really jumped pretty or, or start in an easier way or come, you know, fly with a friend to start, but you really jumped right in there. But I'm curious if you could share and then we'll keep going. Um, but as you were preparing for that or planning that or like getting on this plane to this unknown destination, or even just figure out some of the logistics of, I don't know, insurance or like, how do you get money out of a bank? Like, were, what were, <laughs> if you can recall, um, and some of those things, like, I feel like, bless us. Like we're so naive. You just don't even know that you need to think about some of those things, which is what we hope to prepare everyone listening to do. But what were some of the things that you were scared about or just some of those obstacles that you had to overcome as you shifted from life in Colorado, packing your bag and like going to spend five months abroad? Great questions. Well presented. Deserves an answer, <laughs> as Amanda would say. Our friend Amanda, not myself. <laughs> I'm not referring to myself. Third, third person. person. <laughs> Yeah, that was my stall tactic. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> it's hard to remember and think back to those moments because now, like, you're such a um, experienced traveler, like you can you can do anything. But right. I know thinking back to those moments, it's like, what was I even thinking back then? Yeah, I mean, I I honestly don't know if I had prepared as much as I could have. Mm -hmm. um, I think, like you did mention, you know, I I had experience traveling abroad. I studied abroad in, in college and I did a program called Semester at Sea, which basically meant that I circumnavigated the globe on a ship mm -hmm. and stopped in countries all over the world um, for a whole semester in college. So I, I did have 
a decent amount of experience kind of being like thrown into these new situations in foreign countries and not having a clue what I was doing. I mean, back then, and I know we're dating ourselves, but you've already given away our ages. (laughs) There was no smartphones back then. So like travel was such a different experience. Yeah. pre and post the data era For but sure. yeah I mean I don't yeah I don't know I think you I were think just the excited thing, it sounds like <laughs> yeah like I was just so excited I think the biggest thing that I did to prepare I did I absolutely purchased travel insurance mm-hmm. and that is something that I am a an avid reader of travel blogs. So I had looked to some trusty travel blogging friends for advice on travel insurance and figured out the best plan for myself, which was has definitely come in handy over over the years. (laughs) (laughs) So that is something that I would highly recommend. Um, And then the other thing I guess is just kind of having like so just I guess just the the building blocks in place you know I had a place to stay mm-hmm. booked for like my whole my whole you know 10-day trip before I met up with the Wi-Fi tribe was booked and then I had I had all the logistics booked so I knew yeah. where I was supposed to be when I wasn't like you know, in before I met up with the Wi-Fi tribe, basically, when yeah. I wasn't in in someone else's care, so right, to speak. Right, right. Which is nice um, to start. I think we'll talk like, you know, as nomads, we now know it's like the fewer plans you have, the better because, you know, you don't want to be committed to something when you meet someone and end up somewhere else. But in those first couple of days, especially when you're brand new, it is so comforting to be like, okay, I know where I'm going to sleep. I know this. I know that. Like, it's it's helpful to start. So, um, so helpful. So you've shown up in Morocco, you're waiting for your friend and yeah, tell us about, um, any, any, if you want to share like a highlight of being with your friend there and then what it was like, the difference between kind of that solo first 10 day journey and how Wi-Fi tribe, whether it was easier, what that kind of transition was like. Yeah. Um, so meeting up with my friend beforehand and just kind of getting to, experience Morocco. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's ever traveled to Morocco or thinking of traveling to Morocco, it is it is a lot. It is yeah. a country <laughs> with a lot of sensory overload, yes. um, a lot of culture overload. It's just a very, and this is, I'm speaking particularly within the like major city like Medina areas of, um, you know, Marrakesh or Fez, there's just a lot of sensory overload happening. Um, You're getting kind of hollered at by every person you walk past, you know, whether it's shop owners trying to convince you to come to their shops, or to be honest, you know, men saying inappropriate comments, that was not super uncommon in Morocco. Um, There's a lot of scams that, I had read about online, so I was pretty aware of what to look for, mm-hmm. and yet still fell into those traps more than <laughs> once. So, what was one of the uh, what was one trap that you fell into? So, specifically, so in Marrakesh, there's this thing that that happens where, like, a, a local usually man will come up to you and say, Oh, like you're a foreign, you're obviously a foreigner. I can see that. Uh, Do you need help? Can I help you show you where to go? I can help show you where are you going? And, and they'll, they'll approach you in a way that seems so friendly and nice that it's not even a question. They're just like, let me help you. Right. 
And so you say, okay, yeah, I'm totally lost in this <laughs> maze of a Medina that I'm standing in and I don't have data and I would love your help. Thank you. And then when they get, when you get to where you're going, they demand that you pay them. Yeah. And um, having kind of knowing, knowing that that was something I needed to look out for my friend and I, and I should mention, she is Turkish, born and raised in Istanbul. So she is much, much more familiar with this type of culture. Right. And she was a lot more comfortable traveling <laughs> in that in that type of environment um, on her own. So with her, I actually felt extremely safe. And I was like, she knows what she's doing. Like, I'm good. Um, so yeah, she she was much better at like standing up for herself and being like, no, we don't need your help. Whatever. <laughs> I am, I am just like, it's in my nature to, to be nice. And I have a really hard time, you know, being rude or what I perceive <laughs> so as Midwestern rude. So, <laughs> exactly. So I would just be like, Oh, like, thank you. You know? And Aww. she's just like, no, no. you got it. You yeah, got it. Just just harsh no. friends. Nope. <laughs> And so often too, what will happen is even when you say no, they will still follow you. And they're still just like, I am following you and leading you, even (laughs) though you're saying no, even though you have your your phone out and your data or your map and you're like, I know exactly where I'm going, sir. I do not need your help. They're like, no, 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 I'm helping you. And now you need to pay me. So we ran into that more than once. Um, And yeah, it was an interesting situation. I never felt like unsafe safe. I never personally felt like my personal safety was at risk in Morocco. But I was also very aware that like the crime is not necessarily violent crime for my like safety, but it is there is a lot of crime. And like, it's very possible that I could have been pickpocketed or robbed or mugged or, you know, so so many, so many things. And I'm just very lucky that none of that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was, it was an interesting it's fun to hear the, yeah. the nuances in all the different places because every place does has have their own kind of common scams or things to know. And even I'm just hearing like, yeah, there's so many travel blogs that cover it. So for someone who's just getting started, to me, the best way is like I always ask friends who have been there, but when you don't yet have traveling friends, blogs are one of the greatest places to get started. Um, Definitely so agree with that. Continue on. What was it like, the, like joining Wi-Fi Tribe, and then also go on with your your job saga as it unfolded over this time? <laughs> yeah. So I met up with Wi-Fi Tribe, and this is you know my first experience on Chapter. I had no expectations. <laughs> um, I just, I really, I hadn't talked to a single person who had done it before. Right. I had no, I had no prior expectations. And I really think that that's the best way to go into this kind of scenario because I was so pleased. I was so excited. I mean, everything unfolded and it was just so new and fun for me. And, you know, the friends, the people that you meet on chapter were all just really great people. And there were some really great connections built um, in such a short amount of time because, you know, you just, you go from strangers to housemates to family members, you know, in, in a month, in a month time. And it was, it was a really, really fun and beautiful experience to have um, kind of as my first 
dip dipping my toe into the nomad life. Yeah. And of course I I wound up I, I knew within a week of starting on chapter with Wi-Fi Tribe and seeing all these people who had jobs because again I did not at the time. <laughs> so I was I was I did have my laptop with me. I was taking my computer to <laughs> the cafes to sit and I honestly don't remember what I was doing at the time. I think I was just like travel planning. I just became like the travel <laughs> the planner of the group. You are an like... amazing travel planner, I will say. <laughs> you are so very I would organized. Just spend my days like, you know, organizing travel <laughs> and and figuring out where I was going to go next and all that. And um yeah, but I just I I learned you know, firsthand from all these new friends that they all had these jobs that they could do from anywhere. And I was like, I want that. I <laughs> definitely don't want to go home and get a real job, you know, real I quotes <laughs> oh, around right. that, you know, the, the typical nine to five that involves office work and, you know, being location not location dependent, not location yeah. independent. Yeah. And I, yeah. So I actually, one of my, one of the first friends that I met in Wi-Fi tribe was working for a company that hired freelancers. And so she kind of, she offered right, right off the bat, like, if you want to get a job, I mean, your skill set is pretty diverse within like marketing. And I had some like design background and stuff. So she was like, and writing and stuff like that. So she was like, yeah, like you could absolutely get a job with my company freelancing. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so here's what I did. And here's what I will say is how not to do it. <laughs> Perfect. I said, okay, I want to, I want to like continue with this lifestyle. I, I want a job where I can work remotely and live like this, but Hey, I have these five months planned out already you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I have savings. I'm just going to like, keep, keep doing what I'm doing. And I'll worry about the job at the end <laughs> of my savings and my five months. That was, that was the mistake. <laughs> um, 10 out of 10 recommend not waiting until you've blown through your entire savings to find the job. Definitely find the job when you still have a nest egg. Oh, that's the biggest um, takeaway <laughs> so far. Yeah. <laughs> So I did wind up getting a job with with that friend's company and just starting that, that was basically the start of my freelance career, um, doing some like writing and marketing and just kind of like the the catch all freelance, you know, any any gig that I felt I could perform, <laughs> I was ready yeah. to pick up. But I waited. I waited a bit too long. So what <laughs> happened was I I ran ran pretty fast through my savings. Um no, no, that's, I will, I will give myself credit. I'm pretty good at managing my money. I just, I was just planning on having a job. Right. So instead of, <laughs> instead of worrying about budgeting, I was just like, yeah, no, it's cool though. Cause I already have this, like this job that I can get. Right. So yeah, I went through the first three months of Wi-Fi tribe and then had, had some, you know, the, the other travel planned where I was meeting my family. And, and then I had actually, booked a flight home and was excited to go home because it had been five months and yeah, you know I I wanted to go back to Denver and see my friends but I just knew that when I did I needed to have an out I mm -hmm. needed an escape yeah and so I've kind of made that my my thing 
ever since I started nomading is anytime I buy a flight home, I always have to have the flight out before before the entrance into the country. I always have to have, have to have the exit strategy. That's so funny, Amanda. I wish I did. I'm like too last minute of a planner. Like, you know, even you and I are talking about like going to Cape Town in January and well, especially with COVID things don't always happen, but I'm such a last minute planner that I can't commit to that always before I go home. But I do know what you mean of, of needing that because there's so many people who go home and it's so easy to get comfortable or find a reason not to. And it's so good. Or even just mentally saying like, this isn't permanent. Like I'm happy to see people. I'm happy to visit for a little bit. And I know I'm going back to the life that I love traveling. So I, yeah, another great piece of (laughs) advice. (laughs) I kind of forgot you did that. So where did you have a flight book to after that? So I had, of course, signed up to join another Wi-Fi tribe chapter in Lisbon, Portugal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I had I had booked the chapter and booked that flight before going home. But I did I did actually spend about a month back in Denver that first year. Yeah. Um, during the summertime, and it was an interesting month of reflection because, as you probably know, and most <laughs> most people who have chosen this lifestyle as yes. a longer term thing, kind of going home can be a really especially for the first time can be like a really reverse culture shock type of Mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. Where suddenly you're surrounded by all these people who don't understand that nomadic lifestyle and, you know, it can be really jarring. Um, And I think, and that's, that's part of why I have this like exit strategy planned because (laughs) that is kind of my protection against that. Right. I'm like, okay, as long as I know this is temporary, I can handle this. And you know, it's, it's obviously gotten a lot easier over, over the years. Um, but I've also visited home a lot less too. So there's that to consider. I can completely relate to that. And I know people always said, it's like, you know, travel changes you and you go home and it's not the same. I was like, yeah, but these have been my friends for like decades. It'll never change. And like, we really do change your lifestyle changes, the things you value. And I remember um, I had a similar, I think I was gone for four months on my first kind of like real nomad travel stint. And I came home and I was just dreading it. Not because the people, you know, they're, it's amazing people. And I wanted to see my family and all that, but I just felt like people didn't understand me and what I was doing anymore. And I remember so specifically being um, at this kind of like Christmas party with friends. I was home over the holidays and just standing with this group of people, some I'd known for a while and some were kind of strangers, but they were sitting there talking for whatever reason, this always, always stands in my memory. They were sitting there talking about the price of chicken at Costco. And I was just sitting there. I was like, I can't, I can't be here. I, 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 I don't, I can't live this life anymore. Like I was like, I just wanted to run away and like go back to the stimulating conversations I'd had with travelers and people all over the world. And even if you're having those some same conversations or something about like, you're in a different place, I don't know. It, it, has become harder and harder for me to to go home and as well but yeah thank you for sharing that well that was a very very relatable story (laughs) because I have found myself in the exact same situation although the topic of my conversation which sticks out as that you know that exact same kind of aha moment was tree removal in your yard (laughs) and how much it costs and what a pain it is and I was like okay this is this is not my world anymore yeah you know? like, it's, it's so wild how that happens I remember being home for several months as well too when a lot of my friends who are now house owners and you know are married and have kids and all of that and talking about like 
all of their Saturdays and Sundays doing yard work and spending this. And like, here we are spending our weekends, like you're like taking trips outside of where you're living in Morocco and like going to these remote islands from the city you're living in. And I was just like, what are people doing? And not to like, I try not to, that sounds judgmental. I try not to judge because some people don't want to travel and don't want to be living our life. But I know many of those people who talk to me are like, I wish I was doing what you're what you're doing. And I'm like, you can. So it is really hard to see that juxtaposition when you go home, it, it does become a very real thing. So I like yeah. that. I love that you yeah. have that, that moment that stands out to you. So onward, <laughs> like, yeah, I love all these kind of takeaways in between, but onward with your job story, because um, you ended up, you had kind of like this job offer and then this like amazing dream job that came into your life. So how did that play out as you're going through your travels? If you could share that story. Yeah, so that is another kind of really important and kind of interesting, interesting part of my whole travel saga. Yeah, so I I was working, I was working as a freelancer. And anyone who's done freelance work knows, there are ups and downs, and you can't always control, like, the the amount of work that that comes to you. So it's not the most stable income. And also, you know, when you're not working, you're not getting paid. So when you decide to go on all these weekend trips and, you know, <laughs> say yes to all the fun things that come with this travel lifestyle, there's a lot of money going out. But then when you don't have, you know, you don't have the the workload to fill your week. And so you're like, yeah, I can still go out, you know, I, I can sleep in today or I can spend some time at the beach in the middle of the day. And, you know, I just, I started to get to this point where my financial stability was really starting to shake again. <laughs> I say again, because I've, I've had some ups and downs. Um, so I, I actually came to the conclusion at one point, uh, this is about a year into nomading for me, that I really wanted a stable job with a salaried income and benefits. And I was just like, okay, if this is what I need to get, like, it was really, it was just like that, that place of fear that comes from like financial instability. And I was like, I'm scraping too close to the barrel here (laughs) on my savings account. Like I really, you know, I really want that stable income. Yeah. And an opportunity presented itself for, to, for me to work for a startup company that was based in Texas it was going to be a remote position. So that was great. Although with the time zone, I would have had a bit of time zone constraints on that one. And I was in talks with the founder and he was just like, you know, I have this startup and I really need a marketing person. I don't know anything about marketing. That (laughs) is your background. Um, you know, what, what does this even look like? You know, he, he was like, I need your help kind of figuring out what this position even is and what it looks like. And over the course of about three weeks, maybe we had multiple zoom calls. We were, we were in like pretty consistent communication about this, this upcoming position that I was really under the impression that we were, we were both sort of designing for me. And, you know, he had he had me sign an NDA about the company because he was sending over proprietary information so that I could take a look at all these decks and like, here's what I would do. And here's <laughs> here's the plan. And here's what we would do for like a year. And I wouldn't say that I was doing a ton of work for him for free. 
but I was definitely sharing a lot of my ideas and my expertise for free. And, you know, it got, it got to this point where at, at that point I was, I was feeling very concerned with my personal finances, but I was like, okay, it's, it's all okay. Because I have, I have this job lined up. Like I have this plan. This is great. We're just hammering out the fine details, you know, specific salary benefits, that kind of thing. But like, it's lined up. It's going to be okay. And all of a sudden, I just did not hear a word (laughs) from this guy. And he basically just ghosted me, which I'd never heard of in terms of a job. I know this happens in like the dating world, but like, come on, man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he pretty much just disappeared Mm. off the surface of the earth and didn't answer my emails, didn't answer my phone calls. And I had like sent all this, all this work. Like we had, we had come up with this whole plan together. And he basically just decided that I wasn't the right person, the right fit, or that he could find it, you know, find a different way to implement that, that plan that we had come up with and didn't want to let me know, you know, wasn't going to offer me the courtesy of just telling me that he changed directions. He just completely stopped responding. So that was like a pretty devastating blow, not only to my ego, but I was like, uh oh, you know, what am I going to do? Like, what is my bank account? I I realized that I really. What country were you in at this point? Um, I was in Panama when we were in talks, and when when he sort of fell off the radar, and I think I like accepted that it was like no longer a possibility. Like I was not going to hear from this man Mm -hmm. the following month when I was in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. So I kind of realized that I needed to sort out my priorities and really start putting my head down and working and just kind of like, get, you know, just just getting some work done and, and getting some hours in and focusing more on work than on the fun that I was having, <laughs> um, which is, is the, think, the ultimate balancing act as a digital nomad. Right. <laughs> You're learning first. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's an important part of my journey, right? Yeah. Like I needed to kind of go off the deep end a little to realize, <laughs> really recognize like, how to reel it back. Right, right. So I did, you know, I I stopped saying yes to every, you know, weekend <laughs> trip that I really wanted to go to. I stopped yeah. going out as much and really had to like focus on my my budget and yeah. rebuilding my finances and and really just putting the effort in and the work in to kind of hustle and and get those freelance jobs right, and, and right. have that money coming in. So I kind of I leveled out and the the like amazing part of this story came three months later, you know, and I was still, I was still bummed about this job because I was just like, I got to make it. It was going to be mine. You know, I got to like design this position for myself. And even though I didn't truly want to work for another company, like a corporate company, and I wasn't that excited about having a nine to five position, it was like, the fear of financial instability that was really driving me towards this this job. Yeah, and absolutely. About three months later, I was offered my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> and it was something that I had not even thought about as a possibility. And I am just so grateful now, looking back, that that guy did not hire me <laughs> because... <laughs> Had I just signed on probably some sort of like contractual obligation 
to work for this startup, I would not, I probably wouldn't have even received the offer to work for a travel blog of a friend of mine who their travel blog was really blowing up and starting to get uh starting to get some traction and they were they were making enough money where they they had decided that they wanted to hire someone on to help with the workload and being the avid connoisseur of travel blogs that I was <laughs> um and also having you know a personal friendship with this couple I was so like beyond honored that they thought of me and that they they you know, kind of recruited me to work for them. And it just, it was, it was perfect. It, the, the timing of it worked out perfectly. And because I was just freelancing, I was able to scale that back and make room immediately to start working for the travel blog. And yeah, that was back in 2019. And this year, actually, I just got hired on full time and promoted to director of content for the blog. So it it has a happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) I love there's so many lessons in there. And one quote, Amanda, you and you were telling me the story earlier, we were talking about something else, but I always said, um, I know not everyone's like into the woo world. I love it. But I always say like the universe gives us what we want or something better. And so there's so many times when we think things aren't working out and it really is working out better. But I also love this story because you took so much action along the way. I have so many clients and I think about myself back when I was working at Pepsi where I was like, I know this isn't right for me, but like, I don't know what is. And now I'm working like coaching, doing travel, you know, helping people travel the world. And without traveling myself and taking that leap before I really understood it all, I wouldn't be in a position to do it. And same with you. I imagine part of the reason that they even thought to reach out to you among like being an avid travel blog reader is that you were actively traveling and doing that too. So you probably never could have, you know, had this job be offered to you had you not like taken the leap to do what you were loving and called to do anyway. So I love that it all came together for you in that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So beautiful. And I know you're still working for them and they seem so amazing. So love that. So let's fast forward um, to today. So we've covered a lot of ground in your beginning. Um, What is something as you look at your life as a digital nomad, um, why do you think you love this lifestyle and like, or just in ways that you have grown or just look at your life and you're like, I'm so grateful. This is my life because fill in the blank. What do you love about digital nomad life? Oh, that answer I feel like is <laughs> much longer than this podcast can handle, but <laughs> we'll have to do a part two at some point. Oh, I'm going to try to, yeah, try to narrow it down to a nutshell. Um, I love this lifestyle because it allows me the freedom to to move about the world and ex- like have experiences that I would not otherwise be able to have if I was if I was staying in one place. Yeah. Um and those experiences include the people that I'm meeting and the yeah. conversations that I'm having and all of that has helped me really just open my mind and just have so much of a deeper understanding of the world and how others see it and just you know beyond just my own view and it, and that that goes into like every aspect of life it's not mm-hmm. it's not just travel it's not just you know 
how someone on the other side of the world views the United States, although that is a very interesting perspective. I think all, <laughs> yes. all Americans should uh, look into. Yeah. But um, yeah, just everything, how, how people view relationships, how people choose to work on their personal growth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I met because of this lifestyle that we've both chosen for ourselves and a community that we decided to be a part of. And you have helped me immensely in my Aww. personal journey uh, <laughs> towards growth in our yeah. coaching and in our friendships. So it's just things like that, that I mean, I guess that was like a pretty large scale answer, but it's beautiful because it's it's not, I I totally agree with you. And it's not like when I first wanted, you know, had the desire to travel, I really thought it was about like, I just want to see this place and that country and this bucket list and this, you know, thing. And it has just become, you know, that's what I thought it would be. And the reality is that it's all the the people and experiences and growth that I have along the way of pushing myself out of my comfort zone and meeting, you know, just coming across people like you who I just wouldn't have met if I just stayed there, uh, you know, in, in one place. But I'd love if you could share, um, since you have done coaching with me, um, what has that been like? And for someone who's never worked with a coach, why do you think it's been an important part of, of your journey and your growth? Great question. Coaching with you is, (laughs) it's really easy. And a lot of people ask, you know, how, how do you have this relationship with your coach, someone who a lot of people I think equate to like, similar to a therapist, right, that you're also such good friends with? And like, how does that work? And, you know, before meeting you, I mean, we we kind of started our coaching journey and our friendship at the same time, yeah, so did. maybe that maybe <laughs> that plays into it, right? Right. But I I was I wasn't sure how that was going to work out, and yeah. I think that it's only worked to my benefit because I think that when we are in a coaching session together, yeah, you know me on a different level beyond just our one hour talks, yeah. and you. So you, you like have, there's like an unspoken knowing. So you, you're able to kind of guide me in a way that might be a little bit more challenging to like a complete stranger that you only met through these, through these like one hour sessions. And then there's this level of trust that I don't think, I think it could be built over time with like a, you know, a, a coach and coachy relationship. Um, (laughs) But I think that we were able to build that really fast, having that relationship outside of coaching and that friendship that developed. And, you know, you're able to share your personal experiences with me in our sessions in a way that relates to what I'm going through. That's like really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, And just kind of makes me feel like, you know, I'm not the only one that like, you know, that, that, that struggles with these things, you know, yeah. like this is like a, this is a global, this is a global struggle. And I can say that literally global because, you know, as I make friends with other people from around the world, it's so much clearer how much more similarities we have than mm. differences. I love that. I love that so much. There's something I, I feel uh, so honored to coach people. And a lot of people find me through career and digital nomad life, but then very deeply gets or very quickly gets on a deeper level of our family, our childhood, our relationships, our romances, all of these, <laughs> all of these things, right? Um, but one thing I've realized too, having clients literally all over the world from all different countries, 
and hearing all of these things very personally is, is that so many times we're like, this is just me. I'm the only one going through this. And in fact, <laughs> I'm like, nope, there's someone in Australia doing the same thing as you right now. There's someone in Turkey doing that. You know, it's like, there's, we're, we're all the same. And even if it's slightly nuanced, it's so fascinating to see no matter what cultures we come from at the deepest root, we all share these, um, these common themes of the things that we're working on in ourselves. So yeah, that's beautiful. And you're really good at, um, I do have some, I would say 50, 50, maybe not 50 split, but a lot of clients who are our travel or Wi-Fi tribe, you know, friends who, you know, we just form that relationship on chapters or traveling. And then they're like, Marissa, like I must keep coaching. Like, so we go onward in that way. And then some are, are total strangers. So I do it both, but it's, um, I also really respect and appreciate like when we're in your sessions, it's like, it is all about you and you have great boundaries of otherwise it's really like a shared relationship. And so we're able to, to do both, which is fun. But one other thing I want to talk about, um, before we, before we wrap up, I'm like, I feel like you and I could probably just to have a podcast for seven hours and talk about travel right. stories. We'll have to do a part two at some point. Cause like, I feel like we've missed like all of your nomad life since you've like been traveling. But one thing I know you and, you, um, you and I wanted to talk about, it's really important to you is how do you be a responsible traveler? And when you think about global gentrification and all of these different possibilities where um, as nomads, we, you know, people can be very naive of what that means. Um, so what does responsible travel mean to you as you think about being a digital nomad and entering all these different countries? And that's a big question too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did prepare for this one. So I have a definition <laughs> written down. Ooh, I love um, it. The definition that I like to use um, for just sort of like responsible travel and tourism Um is using social and cultural awareness to minimize, minimize negative impacts while traveling. Mm. And I think that brings up like one of my really important values is to understand and just consider your impact on the places that you choose to visit as a digital nomad. Um, you know, how is your presence there affecting the, you know, what social and economic impact are you are you having on this place and um, really kind of doing the research to not only educate yourself on the cultures and the places that you're visiting because they are not just there for you to yeah. come and gawk at like a tourist in a zoo, yeah. you know, like these, these places and the people that occupy them and the people that occupied them originally, because that's not always the same group of people, <laughs> Very true. Um, you know, they, they have histories and cultures and stories of their own. And I think it's just really important to, to be aware of that and to, to recognize recognize the privilege that you have coming into to a new place and yeah. you know what impact that is causing so yeah are thank you any, for asking that yeah <laughs> are there any specific examples amanda or if someone is thinking about living this life or maybe already is a nomad but hasn't been thinking about this like are there things that you research beforehand? Are there ways that you make sure you're following customs or ways that you're giving back when you're in a destination? Like, what does that look like as you prepare to go to a new place or when you arrive somewhere? Yeah, so I think like a couple of things that I like to to try to do beforehand. Um, I always want to understand the 
history of a place to the best of my ability. Obviously, yeah. I'm not going to go on a deep dive and and have like a you know history degree on on every location <laughs> that I visit. But I want to I want to know you know who the indigenous people are there and what what sort of political history or current political situation I'm walking into understanding the culture and like the customs, you know, so if that's visiting a place like Morocco, which is predominantly Muslim, and they, you know, they, their culture is a very like covered culture when it comes to women. So as Mm -hmm. a woman traveling in Morocco, you are expected to cover your shoulders and, Mm -hmm. and cover your knees and Mm -hmm. not have not have a lot of skin showing. Um, you can choose to not follow that. That is your yeah. choice as a woman. But it's to to me, it's respecting a culture. Yeah, it's not. It's not that their culture is limiting my mm-hmm. rights. You know. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's like it's having that shift in mindset. I'm going into your home, right. and I'm going to respect your wishes and your culture in your home. Yeah. If you come into my home, I expect you to do the same. So, yeah. you know, it's just that, yeah, I guess just kind of base level of respect. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just understanding understanding the kind of so that that's like the the preparation i guess is understanding the the customs and the culture and the history of the place that you're that you're going to and then in terms of you know your impact while you're there i try to do my best to support the local community by mm-hmm. you know eating at locally owned places um i seek out I don't typically take a lot of tours with like tour companies, but I, if I do, I'm seeking out experiences with companies that promote responsible travel values and are hiring and employing locals. And, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing my research to make sure that I'm supporting the right companies. Um, Thinking about wildlife, I personally would never take part in any sort of unethical animal tourism. Yeah. And I understand that a lot of people may not even understand what that means or what makes something unethical. So I guess in lieu of doing an entire podcast on that, you know, <laughs> like we need to do research, that too. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just do, do the research and, and really understand, you know, be, be aware of over tourism and, yeah. you know, the effects of over tourism, because, you know, that is something, especially as digital nomads, um, and something with the whole pandemic situation, we saw a lot of communities that were heavily, heavily relying on tourism, mm-hmm. you know, fall during the pandemic and really, really suffer economically because of the repercussions of losing their tourism yeah. virtually overnight, you know, yeah. and and just like how, you know, how our choices as digital nomads is affecting that um that whole cycle so yeah amazing answers thank you so much for sharing that and again like you said maybe someone's never even thought about like uh the um different ethical like animal situations i know for example in in thailand like there's different you know everyone's like i want to go pet the elephants or ride this and it's like maybe you're not supposed to ride them but you can pet them and maybe some sanctuaries are like um, you know, are helping 
animals recover and set them free again, or, and some definitely are not. So um, examples like that are great. And I love like the local tour company, you know, making sure if you can find people who locally benefit where the money's not just going to some, you know, national tour company or things like that. And I think, um, you know, not everywhere, but yeah, certainly during COVID, it's been interesting to see like some places need tourism and rely on, on that money. So uh, there's, there's all different pro, you know, I think it's so hard to know what our impact really is overall, but the more we educate ourselves and understand that in the places we're going. And like you said, understand the history. I know for me, just like being in a local place and I've never been one to like history, like from the history books and things like that. But when I'm in a place, suddenly the history is more interesting to me because I can see where it, like what's actually happening and where it happened. So amazing, amazing pieces of advice. Um, and I, I do think we could do a whole, a whole, whole, whole podcast on that. So we're just scratching the surface, but a couple kind of rapid fire questions for you before we go off. And I didn't All ask right. you to prepare this one. <laughs> this one's off the cusp. So if you need a moment <laughs> no. to think, you're, you're like not allowed to scratch that. Um, so I'll give you the two and you can think about it. It's going to be your, the top three places you've ever visited. And while you're pondering okay. that, um, I know sometimes I hate when people ask me that question because sometimes it's like, I just love the people I was with in this country and this particular experience or that, but just as kind of like a whole, if you could pick three of the like kind of top countries that have been for whatever reason, and you can explain why your, your favorites. And then the three places that you're still most excited to go. And again, like I want to go everywhere. I know there's so many places you want to go to, but three, three top places that you haven't been to yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I actually have, I actually have a pretty good answer oh, okay. for the first question okay. so far. So my, I have, I have two favorite cities in the world and okay. I have two favorite countries in the world. So can okay. I cheat and, and you can. four? <laughs> I okay. That. I give you permission. So, <laughs> my favorite cities in the world are Cape Town, South Africa. Yep. And Lisbon, Portugal. And okay. those are both my favorites for slightly different reasons, but just basically two places that I really could see myself like living longer term. Um, and I'll use Cape Town as an example because we are both hoping to return there soon. But yep. if if anyone out there listening has not heard of or been to Cape Town, it is this gem of a city that is everything like it's got the metropolitan city vibes, the, you know, like nice restaurants, foodie scene, music, like, you know, all that. And it has the beach. It's right on the coast. There's gorgeous white sand beaches. The ocean is way too cold to swim in, in my opinion. But you know what? I can I can settle for just the beach. I'm with you. And yeah. and it has the mountains. Um, Table Mountain, to be specific, is right in the center. The entire city is built on the coast, curving around this gorgeous mountain. So it's like basically my three favorite things in one city. And I don't know how that's possible. And I don't know of any other place in the world that has so funny, Amanda, <laughs> Diego and I, so we haven't, as you and I are recording this, we haven't launched this podcast, but Diego and I last week recorded one because he's in Cape Town now. That was literally just like an ode to everything you're saying. So I yeah. love that you both, so this is, this is the, this is a couple weeks of praising Cape Town because um, everyone's loving it right now. But um, yes. we're saying there's very few cities in the whole world. And I know um, people I say Los Angeles and Rio and Cape Town are really the three that have that magic combination of 
um, like epic mountains where you can hike and see them. They're beautiful. And then a beach and that kind of metropolitan city, like everything you could need in that way. But it is, I mean, if you think about there's, there's probably another one or two, but um, like in the whole world, you know, all the cities and places there are really only three, like that's pretty rare. Wow. I know. And now I'm like, okay, I need to put Rio on my list because yeah, I, 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 I guess I hadn't thought about it in terms yeah. of like a mountain destination. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so rare to have all, and there's some that have like the mountains and the ocean, but are missing, you know, the city and all of it's, it's rare to have that really city kind of feel and all the restaurants and cafes and things. And I think maybe Hong Kong has some of that. I still haven't been, um, but there's probably a couple other places people say, you know, San Francisco kind of, but yeah, so that and Lisbon is another <laughs> one that I feel like every a lot of travelers who have like been all over and don't want, especially from the U.S. who don't want to go back, and even people all over Europe, I feel like kind of end up in Lisbon as this magic European place to settle down or spend more time as a residency. So you're definitely not alone in that one either. Yeah, and I will just like disclaim that I have a million other favorites, but those yes. are like the two that kind of stand out. Love it. And what are your two <laughs> um, other locations? So my two favorite countries are two places that I could spend years Ooh, exploring and be so happy. Yeah. What are they? <laughs> they are they're two countries with amazing food and tons of adventure, like really great culture and history and like tons of like outdoor beautiful nature and adventure to be had. So it's just kind of like all, but it's just within the country, not within your the lead up city. to this. I have so much anticipation. I know, I'm, <laughs> I'm putting you, I'm, I'm making you wait for it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. So it is Italy. Oh, I was Mexico. not expecting Ah, Mexico's one of my top two favorites as well. Shockingly, I wasn't expecting yeah. Italy as your answer. I was thinking maybe you were going to say like Thailand. Um, okay, so why Italy and Mexico? Oh, so Italy... There's just something about Italian <laughs> culture yeah. that I just resonate so hard with. Just this idea that you sit down around a dinner table <laughs> and have a meal with multiple bottles of wine for four hours in the middle of the day, <laughs> and you are expected to eat as much <sighs> carbs as you can fit in your in your belly. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, oh yes. That is, that so is funny. my place. That's so funny. I don't even think I knew you spent time in Italy. Yeah, actually, Italy was my second ever Wi-Fi tribe oh, chapter okay. destination. To Florence. Yeah, Florence. Love it. Yeah, Love it. So, that was fun of you. Highly recommend. Okay. And then Mexico. And Mexico. Um, and then Mexico. And Mexico. I mean, I feel like. Mexico is one of the most underrated travel destinations for oh, all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I think that people travel here. I say here because I'm actually in Mexico. I know, I forgot. We didn't even share where you were. You're in Playa del Carmen, Mexico right now. <laughs> I'm in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, yes. Um, I think people travel here to go on vacation, unplug, go to the beach, yeah. and stay in all-inclusive hotels. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that kind of vacation if that's what you like go for it mexico is a great place to do it <laughs> but you are doing yourself a serious disservice if you don't explore other parts of this incredible country yeah because i mean there is metropolitan cities and gorgeous like charming colonial towns and there is so much epic nature in mexico that is not just beaches yeah both under the water and 
in the mountains. And I mean, there's this, this country is just so cool and there's so much to be explored here. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It's the same. Um, so I would say some of my top two, like you have many, but that I could like really just spend a long time exploring are Mexico and Indonesia. And it's interesting, like living in Indonesia, there was a lot of Australians who were there because it's, it's, I feel like Indonesia to them, it's really close to Australia, the same way Mexico is to the US. And so a lot of people from Australia have this connotation that like, Indonesia is super touristy and it's all inclusive hotels and shopping. And um, like when they think about Bali, it feels, um, yeah, like that, that just kind of um, vacation mode where you just go and stay in one place and leave. And I've met people who then came as nomads and were like, oh my God, there's so much more to this country. I had no idea. And I think Mexico gets the same rap from America because you're saying it's like, it's just so close. It's where people go, but there is so much more to the food, the culture, the places um, and yeah, there's, there's so much more I still want to explore and I love going back. It's one of the few countries I keep going back to. So yeah, amazing. Oh, well, I love that we share that. <laughs> I know, I know. And it is unusual. Cause it's like, you've been all over. How many countries have you been to, by the way? Do you have a count? I, I have like, an a, estimate? like a general <laughs> estimate count. Um, I'm somewhere in the mid thirties, like yeah. probably over 35 at this point. I love so it. Like so yeah, to have been to so many 30. countries and you've been over, you know, like Africa and Asia and like all these different places. And I love that Mexico is, is one of yours as well. Um, and then last question for you and we'll wrap up because again, you and I could keep chatting forever, but um, if <laughs> you could, could give, <laughs> we could, we could and we do, um, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who isn't yet living nomadically, but maybe has a, a dream to, what is one piece of advice that you would give to them? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're general, general speech. <laughs> I would say really get clear on why, mm. on your why, on okay. why it is that you want to live as a digital nomad. Okay. There is no wrong answer. Okay, there there maybe could be some wrong answers, but like for the most part, I think if you're genuine in your, you know, wanting to explore and stuff, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a wrong answer. But just really get clear on that. And obviously, I have to say, understand your impact on mm-hmm. the places that you are deciding yeah. to visit yeah. and or live as a digital nomad. Um, and yeah, just like make sure that you are keeping your your why as like your sole reason for why you're doing it. And if you've, if that why changes, that's okay, but make sure that you are focused on that and not letting the excitement of, you know, just like partying in another city (laughs) and like living this like hedonistic lifestyle that it seems we all live, uh, get the best of you. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good answer. (laughs) What will it help someone? So for someone to keep that why in mind, how will it help them? I think it'll just help you stay focused on, on like truly making this lifestyle Mm. work. You know, if you, if you want to make it work long-term, it'll really help you focus on that. And, you know, as we discussed earlier, part of making this lifestyle work long-term is, understanding that work-life balance and really getting a hold of it and yeah. and knowing what your limits are and when you need to dial back the fun <laughs> and really put your head down and work. And that might mean missing out on some things, but yeah. as, as you 
get more involved um, in this lifestyle and and have more experiences traveling, you realize that like it's okay to say no and that it's actually good for you to say no sometimes. <laughs> It is a balance. I love, we really do work. We didn't even get to talk into the life, like the, the lifestyle of the day today, but <laughs> daily, yeah. we, hinted, we hinted at it because it's, it's never the big thing, but um, it's not nearly as glamorous as everyone thinks. Right? I know we're still at a computer just with a prettier view and uh, epic weekends and experiences on the, and the mornings and the day it is, it is pretty epic, <laughs> but uh, there is real work that comes along with it for sure. So Amanda, thank you so, so, so much for joining us today. We'll have to have you back at some point to cover even more travel stories and topics and lots of things to dig into, but thank you for sharing your story and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. It has been an honor and a pleasure. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Amanda for joining us in this episode. Such a fun story. I hope that you enjoy just hearing all the different ways and paths and different experiences that all of us have in getting to this life as a nomad, the different parts that lead us there and the different ways that we achieve that and the different ways that we make income. So as you heard from Amanda, once you have this dream to travel, you absolutely can find a way to make an income and make it happen for yourself, no matter what your background is. And our goal at Beach Commute here is to help you do that. So if you're interested, check out beachcommute.com slash 91 the number 91, and that will give you a list of 91 individual job titles that nomads in our community are actually doing so that you can start to get inspired. And through that, we'll send you a bunch of other useful information, job tips, job search, how to land the job, all of the things so that you can start traveling as well. So we hope to see you somewhere in the world. And we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.